You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 116 with, yes, David and Tim. It's a miracle. And it is tech fan number 116. I am Tim Robertson and uh, back after three weeks. David, you've Hello. already done a show this week. I know. I've been on a roll. <laughs> Just the yes, uh, day before yesterday. Yeah. So I listened to that driving back from uh, Chicago and uh, it was a good sorry. show. Oh, I enjoyed <laughs> so it. Yeah. It was, uh, it's weird to listen to you when you, you know, I'm not there yeah. on a show. It's because I'm. You know, I'm used to that being the conversation, but uh, I th- yeah, I felt I it was a little bit rambly, maybe, but uh, I did yeah, what I could do. I enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. a good time. Uh, yeah, your your new car sounds interesting. I, I like the fact that cars nowadays are coming equipped standard with the high end gear from just a few years ago. Yep. Not that I, I'm going to be buying a car anytime soon, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's an interesting position to be put in to effectively uh, kind of have no choice but to buy something. Uh, this, the other car we bought was secondhand. Um, but. Oh, when it comes to a brand new car, I, I think the last time I did that was 1989. Yeah. <laughs> my, my wife has this thing that she doesn't like secondhand cars. No? So she, uh, you know, she prefers to have something straight from the showroom, which, uh, you know, on the one hand I can kind of see of, but it, it costs a lot of money. It does. There's, yeah, that's, that's not a cheap, uh, so how you, you said you liked it and all, what's your yeah. favorite thing about it? Well, the, I mean, the, the toys are all great, you know, but uh, as I said on the show, a lot of them, you don't really get to see that city safe laser scanning sure. thing. It's very cool. But you know, my son said to me, he said, Oh, you know, accelerate up to that car and see if it stops you in time. I said, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> no. Um, what I, what I like about it, to be honest with you, because I'm getting old now, is the fact that, you know, I fill the tank up and the range indicator says like 700 miles. <laughs> you know, that was, that was another yeah. question. I didn't, I, yeah. it would take me all of five seconds on Google, but I'm lazy. Um, I thought a gallon was a gallon. How, how big are, uh, you, are your US, gallons? A US gallon is, is different, a different size from a UK gallon. Um, the UK is a bigger gallon. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and it's confusing over here because you know because we're we're part of the European Union, so a lot of our stuff now is done in metric. Um, so actually, when you when you go and buy petrol now, you you buy it per liter, you don't buy it per gallon, and you have to do a mental calculation in your head. And they switched to that because it made the petrol look cheaper, but it's still <laughs> paying. It's still we're paying expensive. one pound one pound thirty five for a liter. Uh, and in a UK gallon, there's about four and a half liters. So one pound thirty-five is what about two dollars. Yeah. So we're paying about nine dollars a gallon Ouch. in a UK gallon for for fuel here. So you know, uh, filling the car up is kind of a big investment. And it's you see, with the Mazda I have, which is a, a great car, two, and it's fast, two and a big, powerful two and a half liters of petrol. But I only get about three hundred miles out of a tank. So when you're paying, you know, eighty quid. 
for a, for a full tank, and then you know you're only going to get 300 miles out of that. It's a bit depressing. <laughs> yeah, I get better than that yeah. in my uh, 2005 Honda. Yeah, I, I I think I'm now that I'm I'm starting to become accustomed to it, and you know, I'm just checking around to check my wife is not in earshot. She's one of these people. She kind of changes up through the gears about third, and then she kind of leaves it there. Ugh. <laughs> so of course that doesn't do much for the mileage. Now I'm driving it a bit more. I'm seeing the mileage increase a little bit, but you know, I was... and, and that, that's actually something that's good on the Volvo that I forgot to mention is it actually tells you when to change gear to get the best economy. Oh, that's so nice. it actually has a little indicator on there which says change up, change down. So that kind of, I've noticed that because she has that light in front of her, she's not doing that on the new car, so she's going to get the better economy as well. I think automatics are more popular in the states than they are in in Europe. You guys yeah. like your, I look, I like a manual as well. Um, I got really good at manual. I could shift once I'm out of first, I could, I can shift a, a manual without even touching the clutch. You just have yeah. to listen to the engine and know when to pop it in. Uh, and by the way, I, I do want to say, if you guys start hearing some loud sounds in the background, uh, they're doing roof work on the house right across the street. So there's like, you know, six guys over there and all of a sudden, I don't know where you just hear bang, 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 bang. So that's what that is. And, of course, the, the customary every now and then boom car driving by. Always fun. I love those. <clears throat> so he said facetiously. <laughs> uh, the reason yeah. I haven't been here, and you and you, you talked about this in the last show as well, yeah. is, uh, yes, I am. We just signed a lease for a, um, a new store for Max Specialist. It, it will be our third store, and it's going to be in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Now, that's close to me. That's 30 miles away, which will be nice. Yeah. And once that store is open, I'll probably uh, adjust my schedule so I'm there a week, and then I'll be in Chicago a week. and you know, So I'll be home a lot more often, which is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but that's not you know, why I, we decided to open a store there. That's just an added benefit. The nearest Apple store is 55 miles away, and Kalamazoo is a really upcoming town. Now, uh, one of the reasons Kalamazoo is kind of upcoming about 10 years ago, they started this thing called the Kalamazoo Promise. And what that does is if you send your kids through the Kalamazoo public school system, they get free four-year college degree. Or, uh, wow. Yeah. So you, you can send them to University of Michigan, Michigan State, Western Michigan, which is located right in Kalamazoo. I mean, so if you're a young entrepreneur and, and, and you want to become an app developer, and you know you're going to have some lean years. So you got to kind of, you know, budget accordingly. And maybe you've got a little bit of money saved up uh, that you were saving up initially for your child's education. College fund. Mm-hmm. Well, if you move to Kalamazoo, you don't have to worry about that. You can live off that money and your kid's going to go to school for free. That's 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 quite a large incentive. How much is a four-year college program? Um, so about $100,000? Yeah, something like least, that. Yeah, yeah. For a good one, yes. Yeah. And there's some really fantastic schools in Michigan. So it's a really, when it comes to the the tech industry and uh, medical sciences, it's a huge up-and-coming city. It's uh, really being revitalized, the downtown area and the area that we're at, which is kind of the main shopping district. It's technically in Portage, Michigan. It's not in Kalamazoo, but you don't know the difference. I mean, it's Kalamazoo. But that district on in Portage on West Nage Avenue, where we're moving, kind of services all of uh, southern West Michigan. For instance, if my wife is going Christmas shopping, 
that's that's where she goes. Yeah. So it's a fantastic location for us. There's no other authorized uh, repair shop for Apple Gear anywhere nearby. Like I said, 55 miles away. Yeah. And uh, I'm. It's you know the next few months building that store. I'm going to be there often. And we usually record on Friday as we are right now, but my uh, Fridays are going to get very hectic over the next few months. So I honestly don't know what our schedule look like recording the show is, is going to look like, David. It's just uh, well, it's going to be I, frantic. I sh- it I, I should be fairly flexible in that you know I'm still mostly working from home, so I can normally record on any day that suits you. So uh, we can we can figure that out. So <laughs> the last time we were together, um, I had this uh, thing about us getting a, a better contact information. Yeah. Why didn't I set up? at techfan.com or techfanpodcast.com and uh, so I, I, I said you know if three people write in and say and tell me to stop being lazy I'll set it up well we had at least three people the first three that said anything was uh, Eric Osaki Todd Peppercorn and Mark Greentree all sent in stop being lazy <laughs> right so I thought oh I gotta do it now so I jumped on uh, you know, to the web app and went into the email settings to set it up, and it was worthy there. <laughs> I did it when I first set up the site. <laughs> I, I was accusing myself of being lazy. No, I'm not lazy. I'm just I'm forgetful. <laughs> I don't know which is worse. <laughs> so yes, yeah. it is already set up. You can contact no. us at Tim at. My, uh, wow, I almost said my man. Uh, <laughs> Tim at techfanpodcast.com or David at david at techfanpodcast.com. And yeah, and um, fortunately, nobody listens to us for our professionalism, Tim. So <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. I thought it was funny that I had already set it up. I, I just couldn't believe it. Well,. Yeah, sometimes that's the way the... Uh, these, I'm doing that stuff like that all the time now. Well, I set this up, but then I had it auto-forward to our, the one the addresses we always use for everything else. Yeah. So it would be seamless. And you would think I would have remembered that, David. I don't know what the heck's going on with me. The worst thing I've done like that uh, in recently, um, and this is going back a bit now, but the not this last Christmas when we uh, decided to crash our car, but the week the the year before, we bought we bought tickets for a kids show on Boxing Day. Um, there was something that our kids have both been really keen to see, and we bought the tickets probably about four or five weeks before Christmas, <laughs> and then we completely forgot to go to the show. Wow, <laughs> that's bad. And, and we were kind of. I remember the afternoon we were meant to. Well, that we we were meant to be going in the morning because the plan had been we'd go in the morning for the morning show, uh, and it was like a live stage show, you know, mm-hmm. kids characters. And we'd go in the morning, and then we'd go to have some lunch and kind of that sort of thing. So it was the afternoon of the day we went to go, and we were talking about what we were going to be doing over the next few days. And I, we were in the car, and I said to I said to Leanne, I said, um, I've got this nagging feeling is something we're meant to be doing that we have that we you know that I'm not thinking of, and then it hit me. I said. I said we were supposed to go to that show. She said, "When is it?" I said, "This morning." And, oh. this like, and then she opened the glove compartment of the car, and the tickets were sat right there. You know. Oh, that's terrible. You didn't let the kids know, though. No, we didn't. Thank, Thank goodness. goodness. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, 
you see, that was our mistake. We told the kids they never would have let us forget it before we went, and then we would have known to go. Yeah, but you see, you were trying to be clever and surprise yeah. them, and I do the same things. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad though. That's really, really, really bad. So one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about this uh, show, David, was uh, Windows Eight. Yeah, it's uh, it's been out for six months now. And they launched it with quite a bit of fanfare, you know, and Microsoft's building their own hardware now, and the OEMs are going to adopt Windows 8 quickly. And at the three-month mark, they said, well, it's it's doing better than Windows 7 at the same point. And uh, I think at the four or five months, uh, a report came out, and it was exactly the same where Windows 7 was at the same time. And now they've gone kind of quiet on us. Well, in fact, they announced their quarterly results this week, and they failed to give Windows 8 sales numbers in those results. Well, but the the sales figures, uh, the dollar amount was very flat. Yeah, but they didn't actually give the number of licenses, which is something they always do. Um, and, and, And effectively, they have this weird thing at Microsoft where it doesn't matter what the market's doing. They always manage to sell 20 million licenses a month. They always make the numbers look like that. And they have lots of scope to fiddle the numbers. Because, obviously, the vast majority of their sales go to um, OEMs, so people people making PCs sell a copy of Windows with the PC. Right. Uh, and because Microsoft does that, they can basically shift numbers from different parts of their channel. So, you know, if, they're, if they've got an order in the pipeline with Dell for 100,000 units, then they can kind of count those this quarter if they need to, or they can not if they don't. Uh, and, you know, they can count chip copies versus licensed copies versus activated copies they have lots of way of playing with the numbers to always get that 20 million a month and this time they just basically glossed over how many licenses they sold which suggests that they probably aren't selling as many as perhaps they want to be and maybe even they couldn't even fudge the numbers up to the 20 million per month they normally do I get this I, I, I want ice cream right now I don't know why <laughs> I can't imagine where that where, where you get that idea from I have this craving this, like you know, I t- an let Eskimo me pie. This guy, yeah, he's been coming here every day this week, and he has to be the most optimistic ice cream salesman I've ever met because the weather is terrible here. <laughs> yeah. It's been terrible for weeks, and there is, the, there is nobody <clears throat> buying ice cream at the moment, you know. And, uh, yeah, he rolls up half past four every day, um, plays his little thing, nobody comes out, and then he drives off again. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that I'm hearing an ice cream truck in the UK, and here I am in Michigan. We're actually, um, I'll get back to Windows 8 in a second. I thought I would share this with you real quick. We're having, uh, in this area of, you know, uh, it's happened in Chicago, and it happened just north of us. Massive amounts of flooding. Uh, so much rain, so much snow, blah, blah, blah. It's been pretty crazy. There's there's roads that you can't even go down anymore, because the roads don't exist. It's completely yeah. washed out. Yeah, we yeah we had um, probably about six weeks ago we had a lot of snow for the UK and uh, it upset all the farmers because all the all the uh, sheep were lambing yeah uh, and basically all the sheep were out on on the hills and most of them died because they got buried in the snow yeah it's terrible so, uh, you know I'm, the weather's crazy everywhere at the minute so back to Windows um, do you think it's failing them do you think that this sustainable growth that windows has had for well let's say 15 years 20 years almost 
Do you think that's a that's at an end? Is Windows 8 the last gasp? Can Microsoft pull this out? I, I think, I mean, uh, there's no question that, uh, that Microsoft will continue as a going concern for a long time. They're a very diversified company, and a, a lot of their income does not come from Windows anymore. Well, let, me, let me rephrase. Is, is Windows relevant anymore? I, yeah, I think it is, cause, because what else are people going to run on PCs if they don't have Windows? It, it's kind of the default choice. Well, that's choice. the thing, though. I mean, you see PC sales slipping 15 well, anywhere from 12 to 16% is the figures. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet and Mac sales are going up. iOS sales are super strong. Android is doing well. Yeah. Where's PCs? I mean... I, I think I think that's going to be part of the problem for Microsoft is that PC sales are declining. So obviously Windows license sales are also declining along with that. The, the real question is, and, and nobody seems to be trying to analyze this at the moment, is whether Windows, how much Windows 8 market reception is contributing to that slide in PC sales. Obviously tablets and Macs. Yeah, and it was like already that. happening before Windows 8 came exactly, out. Exactly, yeah, but but I don't think Windows 8 is helping to be honest. I mean, it has definitely been a whatever you whatever you want to say about it. It's definitely been a very poorly received product. Well, and you I would think, think it's been not been marketed very well either. Right, you would think that an OS that can run desktop and slate um, pad type of software touch interface would be the way to go you wouldn't think that apple having two distinct operating systems that they have to now support with yearly updates from what apple has reported would be the way to go you why would you want to have two different operating systems for two different platforms under one company wouldn't you rather have one os that supports all the hardware you make well but it, yeah, but it's no. not really like that. <laughs> That's the problem. It's not really like that. It, they, this is always the, the Microsoft issue is they try and make it look like that when it isn't. You know, Windows RT, which runs on ARM, is not the same as Windows 8. On, on x86, doesn't run the same apps. Um, you know, it doesn't have the same features. It's not as powerful, this sort of, sort of thing. But it looks the same, so it's confusing. Then you have Windows 8 itself, which is actually two operating systems glued together. Yep. It's the old, the old desktop operating system with a lot of the bits of people like taken away, together with uh, the new Metro interface. And, you know, it, it, it does come across... I've not used it ever on a tablet um, because you can't buy the tablets with it on here yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's crazy. Microsoft is still running TV ads for the Windows Surface, uh, you know, for the Surface product, and yet you can't buy it anywhere here. The only place you can get it is online at Microsoft. And even the ad doesn't make that clear. Um, so, you know, it's kind of crazy that they're pushing a system that, that's very difficult to buy, even if you were, you know, if, even if you thought the ad made it look like the thing you wanted to buy straight away. You know, the, the ads don't have any pricing on, they don't have any uh, real information. They're kind of hipster ads that, you know, they're still snapping the, the clip on the back of the device and that sort of thing. not really telling you about how this new system is, is, is good to use. And, you know, you contrast it with Apple's ads where effectively it's all about using the product. You know, it shows well, it's you about apps. the different apps. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it shows you what you can do with it, <laughs> rather than glorying the fact that that it is. You know, in, in some ways, 
you would kind of expect Apple to take Microsoft's ad approach, which is kind of capitalizing on the brand awareness and, hey, look, it's Apple. Hey, look, it's cool. You know, you must have this because it's the great thing. And Apple doesn't do that. Apple says, here's our thing. This, you can do 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 this. But there's normally five things in our ads, isn't there? Right. Whereas Microsoft's just trying to say, oh, hey, look at our new Windows system. Isn't it cool? Isn't it cool? And as people go, what? <laughs> I don't know. Then, I think that, I think Apple's new ads are just terrible. Well, well you know, they I, say I, they, they screen that word yeah, color I'm, and then yeah, I'm not, I hate I'm not, it. I'm not a fan of them, to be honest. I Terrible. agree with you. I, I, don't, I don't think they're as good as stuff they've done before. But you know what? The stuff is almost advertising itself at this point. The difficulty Microsoft has is if they'd taken the Apple approach and launched a new tablet-only operating system, um, I think people would have laughed them out of the market as well. It would have been another kind of WebOS type deal, or you think uh, so? uh, no? Yeah, I think people would have gone, "Oh, well, why should we? Why should we buy this one rather than rather than iOS?" I think so. I think they've done the only thing they could do, but I think the problem is they're not doing it well. I still haven't um, seen a Surface Pro in the wild. I mean, I've seen them in stores. I've played with yeah. them, but uh, I have never seen anybody using one. Uh, but I'll tell you what the real telling thing for me is, is that we are looking at replacing our lease laptops in the office. Mm-hmm. So we've got about 300 machines in the company. Um, and I was asked to come in and, and talk to the IT guys about, um, you know, some of my uh, experience in the market with clients and that sort of thing. And they said, well, um, you know, the people we're talking to are asking us whether we want Windows 8 or Windows 7. And I said, well, are you prepared to train everybody on windows 8 because it's i said i've used it and it's very very different and there are quite a few things you need to know in order to use it properly they said we've got no budget for training (laughs) so i said in that case you're gonna have to stick with windows 7 for the moment and make sure you've got a migration path for windows 8 the future i think the other problem they have because when i made that comment um one of the it guys said well yeah the other thing is that you know, there's this Windows Blue thing coming out later on this year, and they talk about changing Windows 8 quite a lot. So if we were to train people for the version that's coming out today, we might have to do it again. Um, and I think that's something else that Microsoft's got a problem with, is people are, are now starting to say, well, you know, this product is is flawed, it needs changes, and nobody knows what Microsoft's going to change. Um, so it may not look like the product you can buy today in 12 months' time. It may look somewhat different. So do you uh, think that they're they're... They're going too fast at this point. They're not giving anything a, a chance to be adopted. I think. Well, I think the problem is I, the, the reason they the reason they're changing it is because they. I think the market perception is is that Windows Eight is not right. There's something wrong with it, and it needs to be different. But I, I think the real issue with it is that they've they've glued this kind of touch tablet operating system front end on, onto Windows, which is the Metro interface or whatever. They, so you're not allowed to call it Metro, are you? You're just meant to call it something else. Um, they've stuck that on, but they, there's no there's no compelling reason to use that. You know, there's a there's a real compelling reason to use Windows 7 because it can, it's compatible with all your apps and all your devices and everything, and it'll run on any computer that run Windows 8. So, you know, that's a real advantage towards Windows 7. And it's some as a product that's been pretty well received, and most people like it and that sort of thing. To go to Windows 8, all you're basically doing is you're you're kind of you're kicking yourself in the teeth. You're disadvantaging yourself. You've got a, a system which you don't know that doesn't work the same way, that does different things, doesn't have the same compatibility that Windows 7 does. And and there's no compelling upside to that. There's nothing that says, oh, yeah, well, yeah, but, but here's the great thing I can do with Windows 8 that I can't do with Windows 7. There is no upside to it. 
unless you're on a tablet. And as I've just said, nobody can buy those right now. So, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a solution looking for a problem. I agree with you. You know, we get quite a few customers in that want to install Windows on their Mac. Usually it's virtualized, but occasionally it's a boot camp install. And they just want us to, to help them do that. Because, uh, you know, you're, you're always going to have those users that are just uncomfortable doing something like that. They just they would rather pay someone else to do it for them so they know it's right. I yep. it's, it's, Just yesterday was the last time I've seen this, or it was the most recent time I saw that, and it was Windows 7. Mm. I've yet to see anybody walk in with a box for Windows 8 saying, I want to put this on my Mac. And yep. I think that's very telling. To be honest with you, I tried to do that um, when I was first off injured. Um, I thought, well, I've got some time on my hands. And I, I bought a, c- a copy of Windows 8 when it was cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, they had that, that kind of $30 deal. Yep. So, so I bought a copy. I figured, you know, for that sort of money, why not own a proper copy? You know? Sure. So, so I did. Now, I, I tried to get it running under um, VMware Fusion on my Mac. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard. <laughs> it was really, really hard to get it working. It was just stuff like... To, to install it, I had the code, and you had to download the ISO image, right? right which is like a four, four gigabyte, five gigabyte image. Yeah, the software you can, you can't. The only way to download that is in Windows. So you and and right, that's part of the upgrade pricing deal was that you meant to already have a copy of Windows. Right. Okay. So I thought no problem, you know. So I pulled out the, uh, I pulled out the work laptop which has Windows Seven on it, and I downloaded it on there. And uh, then what you're meant to be able to do is either burn the um, thing to a DVD drive so you can install it or, burn, or, or stick it onto a USB key. Well, the software that lets you do that did not work. Oh. So I had an image, but I couldn't get it onto a USB key. Um, and I had to, it took me about two days to figure out how to do it. And I basically had to do it manually by uh, unpacking the, uh, the package I'd been sent by Microsoft and pulling the ISO, ISO file out manually. Then I stuck it on a USB key. And because then I was on VMware, I couldn't, you couldn't boot, I, I couldn't boot off the USB key into the virtual machine image. Right. So then what I had to do was I had to install windows seven into the virtual machine image. So I could then, um, boot, uh, I could then, upgrade that Windows 7 copy to Windows 8 from the USB key. Which and you so, really should have probably just started there to begin with. Well, maybe. Maybe I should have done. No, no, but I tried that. I tried putting Windows 7, a new Windows 7 install on the VM. Yeah. Uh, and then downloading the copy in there. But because it detected it was running in a VM, it said, oh, you can't do that. You, you, can't, you can't download that here. You're not licensed to run this in, a, in another VM. So it wouldn't let me do that. So there's all this stuff, and I'm just thinking, for God's sake, all I want to do is try the thing out, and you're making it incredibly Well, not even just try it out. You bought it. You legally own it. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's not like exactly. it was a trial version or something. Yeah, I know. It, this was legally purchased software that you and, now and, own. And this is the Microsoft experience over and over again, isn't it? You know, it's just... Uh, I, I, I was looking at this this morning. They've, they've upgraded the uh, Office web apps to look like Windows 8. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm glad they upgraded the Office web apps because um, our company uses Office 365, and that means that I can access a really good web version of Outlook on my iPad. And it worked now. It, worked, it never used to work properly. Now it works absolutely properly. It's the same it would on the PC and everything. But because it looks like the Windows 8 Mail clients, yeah, everything on it is huge. Every single piece of text is enormous. So you, 
you hold the you hold the iPad in landscape mode, and you know how many email messages I can see. Bearing in mind it's a corporate email box, I've got right. eleven thousand items. I could see five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it's all big white space Windows eight, you know, and it looks beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but it's actually pretty unusable in that state, you know, because you're constantly shrinking things, bringing them back, and everything just so you can use it. And I found myself thinking, I'd rather use the um, I'd rather use the mail client on on the iPad, even though that's a less rich experience than Outlook mm-hmm. uh, web app. I'd rather do that because it it just and I think this is the problem. I think Microsoft have fallen trap. They felt they fell so in love with the stuff they were building, they just decided that as long as it looked beautiful, it didn't matter if it was usable. Yeah. And I, and I well, think- usability is is the key. I don't care what it looks like if it's not usable. It could be the ugliest thing in the world, but if it's if the usability is there. Well, maybe a little less today, but there was a time that people would forgive the the UI and just use it yeah. because it it just works. It was usable. Uh, the, it seems to me they have a serious case of Apple envy. Yeah, and they tried to do was well. Doesn't well, everybody? We, well, yes, I guess you know maybe Google, I don't think Google does actually. I think Google is so arrogant they don't really care. <laughs> uh, really? But, have um, you looked at Android? Have you looked uh, at the, Have you yeah. looked at the Chromebooks out there that they're well, partnering up? They all look I, like I, Macs. But the point is, I think I think um, the point I'm trying to make is internally at Microsoft, they decided that the essence of Apple was beautiful, uh, and they tried to uh, they tried to uh, emulate that. And I think they actually did a pretty good job at building something that looks beautiful. But I think what they missed is that Apple <laughs> makes stuff beautiful after they've made it usable. Uh, and also, I think Apple's design ethos is they don't care about dropping stuff if it makes it simple to use. Apple, uh, Microsoft dropped stuff out of Windows 8 to make it beautiful, and they actually made it harder to use, and then they thought, oh, well, that's okay because it's beautiful. No, Apple so, suffers so, a little of that as well. It's, well yeah, but I, 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 I would point I, to FileMaker or uh, Final Cut Pro. I, and, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I know what you're saying. And, and, sure. and, hell, we can go back, what, four years and say iMovie as well. I mean, they had a great version, and they come out with a new one that was just terrible. They did the same thing with Final Cut Pro. Yeah, they had a version that wasn't really attractive, but it, it really worked. The people enjoyed the workflow. Then they came out with Final Cut X, and they completely broke the U. It's t- it's. I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying Apple isn't an offender in this. I I I would also point to the podcast app on iOS. Which oh, I absolutely, it's terrible. Of, of kind of that, you it, know. It doesn't work for me half the time, and it doesn't but, read that I've already listened to a podcast. Some podcast for whatever reason. Um, it, it won't download, so I stream it, and it plays it a few minutes, even though, and then it just stops. And 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 I, and I think functionally, the way it operates is actually quite unintuitive because it's gone so pretty. Yep. No, I'm about um, to give up on it and and no, find I, a, an iOS app that to use yeah, instead. I I uh, I gave up on it after about five minutes, and I've never come back. But the point the point is is that those are isolated products, and you could argue. Um, that uh, with the way Apple is structured, because those things are generally built by small teams, that you know that that's a team problem that can be fixed. But the, it's not endemic in the wider company. The problem with Windows 8 is Windows 8 is probably one of the most important products they've ever done, uh, and they missed it. You know, they they just they they just missed it. Well, Windows 8 uh, is, or I should say, Microsoft is run by product managers in different divisions that work against the best interest of the company as a whole. 
Um, yeah. And that's a problem. And that starts at the top, the leadership. This is uh, the way that Ballmer kind of set up Microsoft and before him, Bill Gates. Yeah. And they just don't seem to get that just because it worked in the 90s and the most of the aughts that uh, it's a different world and, and you have to change with it. And they don't seem to they seem to want to hold on to that legacy. And they don't seem to get that. Legacy is only going to get you so far because let's be honest, that generation's eventually not going to be there to buy your products. Yeah. And the younger generation is used to iPads and iPhones and Android devices. And your devices are completely different. They're kludgy to use. They look beautiful, but they're kludgy to use. And they're not going to give you the, the benefit of the doubt that the business world did in the past because, well, it's a Microsoft product. So that's what we use. You know what I would have done if I'd have been in Microsoft's position with this with Windows 8 is I would have built it completely from the scratch, ground up, brand new. Oh, absolutely. I yeah, totally I would agree. Have, I would have thrown everything out. Now, what I would have done at the same time is kept Windows 7 and done a Windows 7.5 to bring people along. Yeah, but, but the strategy would have been over a period of time is say, you know, at the end of the day, just like Apple did with OS 9 and OS 10, is say, okay, well, that's the legacy product, that's the old product, and this is where we're going to. And over time, we want all our applications developers and all our driver developers and everything to move to this new architecture. And this will be the way things are done. And, and um, I think that would have been a better way for them to do it. Because what they've done at the moment, they've got this halfway house between, it's confusing. And the problem with, with a compromise is that you upset everybody. Because everybody finds something about it they don't like. You know, when OS ten comes to the end of its life, and I don't think we're probably more than about four or five years away from that, I have no, com- uh, no doubts whatsoever that Apple will have no compunction about killing it. They will... Yeah, and they've already come out got a... One, 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 yeah, one, whether it be iOS or whether it's something else, one day they will, they will turn up at WWDC and they will say, here's the future, and it's OS 11. Yeah. And it will be completely different, and it will be completely incompatible with OS 10. Yep. And they will say, you, uh, in the future, you'll be able to buy Macs that will run this or will run OS 10, but you can't run both at the same time. You can run one or the other. And over time, OS 10 support will diminish, and it'll become uh, the vintage like, uh, like OS 9 uh, became eventually. And, and I think, you know what, Apple will pull that off. They've, they've proved they can pull that off. Microsoft really tried to be brave with Windows 8, but they weren't brave enough because that would have been the braver decision to do, is say, this is, you know... To be fair, Apple did that originally between OS 9 and OS 10 when they didn't have as many users as Microsoft does now. I mean, there's a big difference when when you're dealing with enterprise that you can't just... Well, at least the argument would go, you can't just pull the plug. But I think that what they can learn from Apple is the migration... Yeah. And how it's long a, it a, takes. It's a two-year right. process. It's, well, it's, it's probably longer than that. It's probably like a three, four-year process. Sure. And, process. I, and I guarantee you, yeah, Apple's already got a plan in place for when they do that next. They're already a, planning for it. You're talking about, I, I mean, let's face it, Apple, when Apple moved from PowerPC to Intel, that was, a, I mean, we were all flabbergasted yeah. when they announced they were going to do that. Do we honestly think that, I know that, that, um, Microsoft has much bigger market share and that sort of thing. Do we always think that Microsoft would be capable of pulling off a platform shift underneath their operating system like that? I don't think they would ever be able to do it. And I don't think that's just because of the size of the market. I think just conceptually they would struggle to do that, whereas Apple would pull it off. And I I believe Apple could pull it off again. 
I think Microsoft no. could, but it's such a different world. Now, there isn't really a compelling alternative to the power and the flexibility of Intel. You can't, you can't look at AMD. They're not, they, no, I mean, if, if that's going to happen, it's going to be ARM. Yeah, but that's that's we're still a number of years away from ARM being even close to being as powerful as Intel. And by the time that ARM gets there, where is Intel? You know what I mean? Mm. You know, there was a lot of problems with Intel and the duopoly, if you will, between Wintel, which is Windows and Intel, uh, in the yeah. '90s and the early 2000s. That doesn't really exist anymore. I mean that no, but I, but I think you've got to remember that looking inside our Macs and our PCs, that x86 architecture that they're running. I mean, it's been incredibly scaled. Yeah, you know, multiple processors, pipelining, caching, all this sort of fun. Basically, though, deep down, the things are running the same co- microcode they were running back in 1978. Yes, I, you're not you're not telling me there isn't a better way to run processors than than what's going on inside an x86 chip nowadays. Oh, that's like, not you know, the, that wasn't. But no, well, what I'm saying is, I think I think this is part of the problem. I think Microsoft needs to get off x86, and I think Intel needs to get off x86. Well, that's what I was going to say. I yeah. I think Intel has those plans, and my point was, this isn't the Intel of old. They understand it. There's a reason they came back and really kicked uh, AMD in the teeth. I mean, they they finally got it, and they got it right around the same time in, uh, Apple decided to go to Intel. I mean, that's when they really started paying attention. And I think that whatever comes next will still be an Intel chip. I don't think it'll be x And I don't think that ARM's going to catch them. I really don't. I just wonder whether Microsoft has the vision to... Because basically, for I that to happen... I don't think Intel their current leadership does. Intel and Microsoft needs to, same, needs to be in the same roadmap. Right. And, I, and, I, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know... You Ballmer's the, not the guy. No. To, to to take Windows over the next, well, to take Microsoft through the next 15 years, it's just not Balmer. I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy. He really does. I, I'm sure I would I would like Balmer. Steve Balmer seems like one of those guys that's just fun and, I, I, and you I know. Think, I think he's, he's probably underestimated in terms of how good a sales and marketing guy he is. I, well... To a certain I, extent. I mean, I he think, inherited he a lot get, of that. Yeah, but I think he gets tagged with this kind of, you know, um, buffoon who inherited the Keys to the Kingdom tag. And, and I think he's actually, I think, you know, he's kind of like a George W. Bush figure. He's a lot, he's probably a hell of a lot smarter and more clued in than he appears. I would agree with you, actually. I, I think he's, he's a lot, he's a lot more than what most people, especially the, the couch techno guy, is going to yeah. ever give him credit for. That being said, I still don't think he is the visionary leader that Microsoft's going to need over the next 15 years if they're to become or to stay relevant in a mobile world. Because, you know, regardless of how we feel about our Macs and our laptops and all that, the future is mobile. There's no question. I mean, it's already there. I mean, I are, we probably both know more people who access the Internet on a daily basis through their iPhone or an Android or an iPad, much more than they ever do on the internet with their yeah. with their laptops or their, you know, my wife yeah. my wife there's things that she still does on her laptop because it's not easy to do on her iPhone or her iPad, especially with photos and stuff. But there's going to come a time where it is going to be as easy. It'll have different yeah. workflows, but that's the way you do it now. It's we're not there yet. 
but mobile is far and away where this tech world is going. Definitely. It's just, that's how it is. Let's uh, take our uh, quick break here, David, and uh, play an ad for another show here in the Stoplight Network, and we'll be right back. On the MyMag.com podcast. And how could they contact you, Gaz? (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't speak parrot, that's (laughs) Gaz at MyMag.com, G-A-Z at MyMag.com, and you can also reach him on the Twitters at Twitter.com forward slash Gazmez, G-A-Z, M-A-Z, and we have a combined Twitter account, which is Twitter.com forward slash Guy and Gaz, G-U-I-A-N-D-G-A-Z. <laughs> and if, if you wanted to let Fearless Leader know that you don't speak Parrot, you can let him know that by sending an email to feedback at MyMac.com, no Z. You're listening to the G-Men. I am Tim Robertson. He is David Cohen. If you want to contact us, the easiest way is to send an email. It's either Tim at TechFanPodcast.com or... David at TechFanPodcast.com. Because <laughs> I'm not lazy. <laughs> you can go to our website, TechFanPodcast.com, and leave a message there as well. Yeah. David... Uh, I, yeah, actually, I wanted to address a uh, comment that was made on um, on the show before last. Okay. Because this, this chap um, sent a comment in before, and, and I don't think we got to it. So I was talking about, um, a few weeks ago, about about um, the iBook as, as a netbook. Yeah. Uh, and I, I made the comment there that um, the original airports um, can't do um, WPA or WPA2. They could only do WEP. Um, he says that some of his that actually do, um, and he 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 says he does a lot of vintage computers, uh, and it, it sometimes depends on how you get the OS onto the machine. If you clone it from somewhere else, then it might not work, but if you actually do a straight build, then it then it will do. So that's something I'm gonna have to try. Is um, I actually have um, I've got a pair of titanium power books that's waiting for my attention here, so uh, I will definitely try that and see if I can get get those onto my wireless network directly rather than hacking them. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was pretty cool. So thanks for the feedback on that. That's useful. We also got feedback uh, from two shows ago from Mark Greentree. Mark does uh, a number of podcasts now, not another Mac podcast, geekiest show ever. Um, why am I drawing a blank on the other two names, David? Uh, he does the uh, the music Inter- show. What's the- yeah, the International yeah. Film Podcast. And I'm going to cheat and go to my uh, thing here. Do, 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 do. Oops, I lost it. Where is it? Why am I just drawing a blank? It's the music one. Is it? Is it something to do with tracks? Uh, yes. I can't remember the name. <laughs> Track Talk. Track Talk. Thank yeah. you. Wow. And I, I did two of those shows. You would think I of all people would freaking remember that. Again, lazy. Um, <laughs> and, oh, by the way, the, um, recording this week's Geekiest Show ever, Mark was um, calling us out for moving into Geekiest Show territory when we were talking about the Atari flashback. But we're a tech show, damn it. We don't limit ourselves, Mark. <laughs> uh, so he wrote this uh, last week. Uh, hi, Tim and David. Epic Mickey was an awesome game, one of my favorites on the Wii. I feel it brought Mickey into the modern realm whilst playing 
homage to its legacy with those cool black and white playable cutscenes. I don't feel either of you adequately described your disapproval of the game. Could you please discuss specific instances of disappointment as bad just doesn't cut it? Regards, Mark. Um, yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Have at it, then. Uh, I, I played it for about an hour, and I found it really boring. Um, it didn't help that it that I too played it on the Wii. Maybe it, I don't know if it was available for the PS2 or the PS3. Um, I don't like playing games on my Wii that require the Wii controller. Mm-hmm. I hate the Wii controller. I really do. It's just not fun. One of the reasons I'm enjoying the Wii U so much and Lego City on a cover in particular is because that big tablet controller thing that it uses works really well. I mean, it really does. Um, but specifics of, of the Mickey game, it just wasn't entertaining to me. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I don't care what the graphics look like. I still enjoy going back and playing Pac-Man. Why? Because it, it has that visceral enjoyment and I didn't get any enjoyment playing the Mickey. I, I, I was playing it thinking, I don't like this game. And I did. I wanted to like this game. I never get a game, David, either a rental or a purchase, thinking I'm probably not going to like this game. Yeah. I never do that. I never do that when I download a game on my iPad, or I, I buy them or I rent them because I want to enjoy them. So it's it's even more disappointing to me when the game itself disappoints me because I wanted to like it. Uh, yeah, I found I found it really hard to to kind of see what was going on the camera the camera mechanic was awful yeah on it absolutely um, and and you know it, it kind of got in the way it made it, it made it quite quite annoying to play and i think the other thing that i found with it is just that that sort of game i think i think it's been done better i need I, it just uh what was what's the game that that um I've played all the time that's with with alexander that's kind of similar uh the blob mm-hmm so a similar sort of thing. You're running around, coloring things in, trying to trying to put color on the world to uh, you know to kind of to achieve your goals. Now I think the Blob is much is it works a lot better in as functionally than than Epic Mickey did, um, and you know it was really like chalk and cheese. Really, I th- I think it was a great idea. It just wasn't executed well, and that that was a problem I had with it. You know my problem, and it's that specific to this game is Disney doesn't seem to know what to do with Mickey. Have you noticed that? They don't really know what... Look, they got the exemption so he wouldn't fall into the, into the public domain, and I understand why they did that, even though I don't think they should have been... They, it shouldn't have been granted to them. Just because they're still making money on it doesn't invalidate our trademark laws. And that should have become... You know, it should have gone into the public domain. It just should have. But it didn't, so whatever. Regardless, I don't think... Disney really knows what to do with Mickey Mouse. Well, I mean, they've always treated Mickey as a kind of a, a um, he's he's like a canvas. For, they they make him do whatever they want him to do, which makes it very hard to, to you know, he doesn't have like a core um, ethic behind him. You know, right. you, if you look at if you look at take, I don't know, take Woody from Toy Story. Yeah, he's it's very clear what he is. He's a toy. He's a toy cowboy. So you do things that make him that, 
that kind of riff off the fact that he's a toy or riff off the fact that he's a cowboy or riff off the fact that he's a toy cowboy. But Mickey can be, you know, depending on what, what, what cartoon you've seen him, he could be a, a steamboat captain, he can be a wizard, he can be, right, you know, exactly. a conductor, he can be, he can be anything, a spaceman. So, so he has no he has identity. No substance. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, but then you look at somebody like Bugs Bunny, and he's done a lot of those same. They've put Bugs in those roles, but he's still Bugs Bunny in those roles. He's smarmy. He's a smart ass. He's usually the smartest person in the world and in, in the room. And he gets away with stuff because he's smarter than everybody else. And he's also a smart ass. So even if he's a wizard or he's a pilot or whatever he is, Bugs Bunny, he's still Bugs Bunny at his core. That doesn't change. There doesn't seem to be a core to Mickey Mouse. And I think that's the problem here. See, we're getting into geeky <laughs> show ever territory again. Sorry, Mark. That's the problem with Mickey Mouse. He doesn't have a core. Yeah. Who is Mickey Mouse? They they never really established that. I mean, his first one, he was, what, a steamboat captain? Yeah. In uh, He's a boring character, plain and simple. He's just boring. Pluto has more of an identity than Mickey. <laughs> Donald Duck has, you know... Well, yeah, Donald Duck has more of a character. You kind of know that Donald Duck's going to go like you know, epically meltdown in mm-hmm. front of anything. So you can you can build a gameplay off that. But yeah, you're right. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of hard. It, it feels it feels it, it feels slightly dirty to say it. But you're right. He's, he's a bit boring. He's he's boring and he has no identity. And that's because yeah. Disney doesn't know who or what Mickey Mouse is. Yeah, he he's a nice guy all the time. Well, so is Woody, but you know, look at the first well, Toy Story. Well, he no, was but, jealous, well, well, yeah, and yeah, he, Woody is Woody's a nice guy, but he has flaws. Sure, and but that's what it makes it make character interesting. That's exactly yeah. right. And Mickey doesn't seem to have any of those flaws. Like Bugs Bunny, his flaw, he's smart, and he's a smartass. Yeah, you know, Elmer Fudd, he's a buffoon. You know, so you have to have these flaws to make the character better. Mickey, they never built any flaws into Mickey. So he's he's a boring character. Same thing with like a Superman character. You know, they've well, dialed back his powers, but if he's all powerful and all he ever does is good and he doesn't have any flaws, that's a boring character. He's never at any risk. Who cares well, what he's always going to do the right thing, so there's no, you know, yeah, well, I mean, look at look at look at how this new Superman uh, movie, Man of Steel's coming out this summer has, mm-hmm. has 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 taken that. They've 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 not they they've explicitly said we're not going to do Kryptonite. Um, you know, because kryptonite's been so overdone, and because you can't see it coming a mile off. Well, let's yeah. be honest. If you if you're the most powerful thing in the world, and you're going to make a movie, and, and the villain is a rock, eh. the the uh, well, well, but what they're doing with Man of Steel is they is they're making his inner conflict about his own identity and, and him doing the right thing and how he feels about that kind of the heart of the movie. You know, there was and, a, and, I wasn't really too interested in this movie until the I saw Kevin Costner in it. And I don't get me wrong, it's not because of Kevin Custer, but his character says something. And I thought, wow, I really like this aspect of the movie, and I hope they kind of really follow it through. He, he's looking at Clark, and he says, you're the answer to the question we've always had. Are we alone in the universe? And I thought, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. He does answer that question. We're not alone. And I thought, that's a really cool concept right there, that Superman answers that question. Yeah. And and forget the for the moment that he's all powerful and blah 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 and he could fly and he's super strong and heat vision and all that. 
we're not alone in the universe, and Superman is proof of that. That's pretty cool. I like that concept. Yeah, but it just goes to show you you do have to you do have to build. You know, when particularly when you're talking about game, you you have to have some level of motivation behind what you're doing with the character, right? To make it an interesting game, and and uh, and an epic Mickey didn't really didn't do, do that. that at all. No, I you know if I was Disney, I would start. I mean, look, they're doing great with Avengers. They just bought the Star Wars franchise. That's going to make them bazillions of dollars. But they've got uh, their very first property is universally known. Everybody knows who Mickey Mouse is, right? Yeah. Do something interesting with him. Turn Mickey Mouse over to Pixar. Let them make a Mickey Mouse movie. You know, give him my identity. Give him something. It, it seems like a waste. And while I liked, I appreciated the fact that they put him in a video game and he's the star, it wasn't a very good game. It was Well, I think that's the other thing. I mean, you, you could argue that Mickey Mouse is is like a figurehead character. Sure. Um and 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 that it it benefits Disney the fact that he's such a blank canvas. But that if that's that's fine if that's what you're going to do. But in that case, just use him as a figurehead. Right. Don't make him a tentpole character for anything, for a movie or a or a video game whatever because it's not going to work. But yeah. Mickey should be more than a logo. And that's all he really is. He's a logo yeah. for Disney. You know, at the beginning of the movies, of, of every Disney movie, they show the castle and stuff. Mm-hmm. People don't associate castles with Disney. They should dump that, and it should just be the outline of Mickey. That should be, that's Disney. It's Mickey Mouse. Yep. Anyways. Yeah, we kind of went off the rails <laughs> there here at the end, didn't we? So, uh, uh, tech, graphics, electronic, <laughs> games. There we go. It tied it in so you'll notice now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Geeky Show Ever. <laughs> uh, anyway. is is uh, you know, riffing on what I said last week, we have not talked about the Boston bombing, so we are safe. Uh, and secondly, Mark, uh, if you want to talk technology on the next Geeky Show Ever, you just go right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, I followed the whole Boston bombing thing, and I, I agreed with you somewhat. I went to The Verge, and yeah. I saw that they were covering it, and I thought, why the hell are they covering the Boston bombings? Uh, and I didn't even click the link. I didn't even read it because I thought, well, they're not going to, they don't have any reporters on the ground. What are they? They're just regurgitating probably Twitter feeds and stuff like that, which, according to you, is exactly what they were doing. Um, and I wasn't interested in that, but they were they were far and away from the only guilty party there. Oh no, no, I, I, I was using them as an apple, but I, I I did accept that there were plenty of others who did the same. And as I say, I don't think I don't think a lot of the means, mainstream media coverage from people like CNN was much better. <laughs> I don't either, but it was, it was pretty poor. But at least that is their job, and you can judge them on them doing their job I, or not doing. I their agree job. with you to a certain extent, but I also think that in today's technology world when a site is as popular as the verge and their identity so far has been tech i don't know if they purposely set out to do that or the people who started it as we well know that's what they did they were they were tech guys but are they trying to do more stuff now do they want to i don't have a problem with that no, I don't either. But I think the problem is you don't start on the day of a big terrorist incident and then suddenly it looks exploitative. I agree. It does. That that was my point. Yeah. You know, if they if they'd been covering politics, 
um, you know, general news or anything for a while, then there would have been no problem. The point is, they suddenly appear to become a news site on the day when there's a big page-clicking, link-basing story um, there they, they can exploit. And that was the problem. And, they, and, then, and then they doubled down on it afterwards by saying, oh, yeah, we're not just a tech site. So, well, you've never proved you're anything but that. So well, they started getting doing... into science, too, the, and, yeah. and genetics. and Fine. But, but that's also nothing to do with the bombing. I it's agree, not, but it's not. So you know, I, I don't. And, and I don't have a problem is, with a with a, a news outlet or an online magazine, whatever the hell they are, um, exploring what they're what they could do and what they could cover, and to see what sticks it doesn't. My only problem with that is when you use something like the Boston bombing for link bait. Yeah, and that's where I think that they kind of dropped the ball. And if they would have came out and said. Well, you know, we're, we are trying to expand. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. We we did cover the bombings because we thought we could bring something fresh and different to that coverage. We didn't. Um, and it probably wasn't very good timing on our part to make yeah. that our first terrorist coverage, if you will. Yeah. So in that respect, I agree with you. But I also disagree that, well, number one, I'm not going to give up on them because I think their coverage for what they're good at is second to none. I mean, I think they kick Engadget's butt. Oh, I don't, yeah, well, I don't read Engadget anymore. Well, I, actually, I've been going there recently, and it's gotten better. It's actually gotten better. But then there's some sites that used to be really good, like uh, the unofficial Apple weblog. Just yeah. terrible now. Oh, and I agree. Also, very, very bad. Yeah, but then you look at something like The Loop, and that's so much better. So Yeah. Uh, the Loop and Ars Technica are my two major tech sources nowadays i like both of those as well but i also like the verge so but that's good though because it gives us more fodder to play with here on tech fan indeed so with that we're going to wrap up this episode um i do have an appointment next friday exactly when we're supposed to record this david so we have to work that out off the air and uh it was still really good to finally sit down with you after three weeks and uh and talk tech man i I really enjoy it it's fun yeah stuff we will see you guys in one form or another next week